Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Auto Remarketing Podcast. My name is Nick Zulovich, part of the team at Cherokee Media Group, and we welcome you to a special episode of the podcast that originated from Used Car Week 2022 in San Diego. Our episode is titled, The Best CPO Dealers in the USA, Selling More Used Cars. It features a panel discussion with Andrew Ashman of Ford, Mark Weta with Street Smart Auto Brokers, Dennis Pennington with Andy Moore Ford, Mark Gilbert of the Automotive Training Network, and Danny Papakalos of Number One Cochrane. We thank you again for joining us for this special episode of the Auto Remarketing Podcast that originated from Used Car Week 2022. Thank you, Bill. Uh, thank you to the Cherokee Media Group for uh, putting on this fantastic event. I always look forward to it every single year. Uh, my name is B. Miller. Um, I'm part of Cars.com uh, for the last 17 years. I lead our OEM and enterprise partnerships across the Tier 1 brands, our Tier 2 regional dealer associations, and of course our CPO programs. Um, it's an absolute uh, honor to be here, honor to be a part of, of this journey and, and learn from some of the best and brightest dealers across the country and take those learnings and uh, together we've developed one of the best automotive platforms for buying and selling vehicles. Um, I'm going to share some insights today uh, to help you grow your CPO business. Um, I'm also happy to take some questions over at the exhibit hall. We have a fantastic booth and we also have uh, a pretty awesome golf simulator if you'd like to work on your swing. So the first one I want to talk about is, is really the, the insight and the opportunity um, to educate consumers. So at cars.com, we, we survey all of the shoppers on our site. We like to learn what their, their thoughts are, their behaviors. And recently, we conducted a survey of, of individuals that not only submitted a lead for a used vehicle, but purchased a used vehicle. We wanted to understand their mindset, and specifically around CPO. So we said to them, a variety of questions, but one of the most important questions we asked was, is there anything that you're willing to pay a premium for? And again, these are people who purchased a used car. And a third of shoppers said, well, we'd be willing to pay a premium if the vehicle had a warranty. So all sorts of red flags and alarms went off at cars because, of course, a key element of certified pre-owned is the actual warranty. And so what we did was we took that back to our product team and we said, we have to educate these consumers better. We have to elevate the content to make sure that they're aware of what goes into a certified vehicle. Of course, highlight the warranty, give all of our brands and our dealers the opportunity in the real estate to, to highlight their program benefits. But then also with our, our best match algorithm, we've elevated certified pre-owned listings to be in front of consumers to make sure that they know that there's quite a bit of value in that certified listing. The next opportunity is really around acquiring inventory. As we all know, uh, new car inventory, inventory is, is down significantly. Off-lease returns are down significantly. And so what can we do to help you acquire inventory? Well, the first thing we can do is help you be precision and pinpoint where those vehicles are located. So for all of our certified pre-owned partnerships, we have a CPO eligibility dashboard allowing you to identify the dealers, their inventory, where it's located, whether it's within brand or out of brand. Beyond that, we of course uh, earlier this year announced our acquisition of AccuTrade, and we think that that's an incredible, uh, powerful tool for our OEM brands as well as our Tier 3 dealers to be precise in the vehicles that they are acquiring, whether that's via private party or whether that's leveraging your service lane to acquire inventory. With AccuTrade, it allows customization and, and, and automation. 
So every single brand, depending on what your needs are for inventory, you can dial up or dial down the vehicles that are coming in from private party to acquire those vehicles. And of course, we encourage everyone to be very aggressive on acquiring those vehicles that uh, qualify for certified pre-owned. With inventory right now on certified pre-owned, we're seeing it down about 6% compared to last year. So we've made some improvements, but helping you acquire those inventory is, is one of our top priorities uh, for this year. So we believe AccuTrade is, is a great solution, and I'd love to take any questions over at our exhibit about that. And of course, the final insight is around the opportunity to, to inform and educate and reach these consumers. 86% of our car shoppers are looking for a pre-owned vehicle. Um, but only 33 say that they have awareness of what certified pre-owned really means. And so we invite you to leverage our, f our fuel platform to use sight, sound, and motion to reach those in-market car, uh, in in car shoppers to educate them about the benefits of not just your certified program, but why they should purchase from your dealer or from your brand. So combining these, these efforts of acquiring inventory, reaching consumers, and then educating them, we think is the three pillars of growing your certified business. I want to thank Cherokee Media Group and Bill for, for having us here. It's an honor to sponsor this event and, and to be one of your longtime sponsors. One more thing I mentioned, we have that golf simulator next door and something that I just learned on the way over here. Uh, we have a $10,000 giveaway if somebody hits a hole in one. So it's a par three, 130 yards set up on the simulator. If you hit a hole in one, you qualify for $10,000 and we're gonna have a contest on Wednesday as well for closest to the pin. So I invite you to come over there, learn more about your golf swing, learn a little bit how cars can help you uh, grow your business. And again, thank you to Cherokee Media Group for having this event. B, thank you so much. $10,000, man, that just amped up the uh, exhibit hall quite a bit. Yeah, free beer, but now that. Wow, okay, we got a lot of, a lot of good stuff going on. As B uh, exits the stage, I'll invite our panel to, uh, to take their seats on the stage. Again, this is our best CPO dealers in the USA. Interesting group that is going to join us here. Joe Overby from our staff is the moderator for this session. As the gentlemen come up on stage, a round of applause for this group, please. Thank you. Sit down in my picture. Me? Other Mark? This one? Mark, you're there. Okay. I'm always an ace. I didn't know there would be any tests on this whole deal here. You didn't do so well. Yeah. All right, we're not. Thank you, Bill. And uh, guys, welcome to the Best CPO Dealers in the USA panel, um, which is sponsored by CARS. I am Joe Overby, Senior Editor of Auto Marketing, and I'll be your your tour guide this afternoon. Um, I want to thank each of these gentlemen um, for being here and, and sharing their insights. And we'll have each of you guys introduce yourselves. We'll go down the line. And, and Mark, we'll start with you and work our, our way down. Uh, my name is Mark Wyda. I'm the owner of Street Smart Auto Brokers, an independent dealership in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We have two rooftops for sales, one for service. I spent 25 years in franchise stores before I spun out and started my own business. My name is Dennis Pennington. I am the used car director for Andy Moore Ford. Uh, I've been there for nine years, uh, 32 years in the car business, 10 years in fixed operations, 22 years in variable. Danny Papakalos, uh, corporate pre-owned director for number one Cochrane in Western Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, and uh, three decades in the car business, 21 years with AutoNation. Mark Gilbert, CEO of Automotive Training Network. Uh, we do training, consulting, and management and that's what I oversee mostly myself as the managed stores that we work with. Uh, 40 years in the industry and here to learn some more stuff. 
Andrew Ashman. I'm the used car manager for Ford Motor Company. 30 years with Ford, spent uh, 10 years in New York working with our dealers day to day, uh, spent five years in incentive planning. Um, then I moved to, I was actually the first customer experience professional at Ford, did that for five years, moved to Lincoln, and then I spent the last three years in used vehicles and our responsibility for Ford Blue Advantage as well as our remarketing organization. Very good, very good guys. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, the um, <clears throat> used car inventory has been uh, top of mind this year for, for everyone in the industry and particularly in this room. Um, so when it comes to CPO supply in particular, um, where are you finding cars? We saw that uh, panel today earlier from Tyson Jomini who talked about how off-lease has just kind of dried up and that's been the bread and butter. So, you know, has your strategy shifted at all? And, and Dennis, we'll start with you on this one and, and have Danny follow up. Sure. Well, with the program that Andrew had come up with a few years ago, it, it's kind of helped us out by broadening the vehicles that we have to go after. So, you know, we can go, we were able to go 2013 and newer. Uh, so we were able to target the service drive for a lot of those vehicles as well as private individuals to resource a lot of that stuff. Dean? Well, you know, it, it's a definitely a Darwinian period when we, when we think of the industry that we're in right now. Uh, and so there's no magic bullet to what needs to be done to, to source inventory. In fact, the key word is source. Uh, you have to really uh, get back to basics and, and it's really about executing at a higher level. And you know, the sources are limited. There's, there's, no, there's not gonna be a new source that comes out. There's, you know, there's not gonna be a technological uh, uh, application that will come and change things. They might help you with data, but as far as sourcing inventory, it's really about how at each dealership, the people that are involved, do they focus on actual acquisition? Buying a car today is more important than selling a car. If you don't have the car, it doesn't matter. So attacking your sources you know, uh, with a full-throated effort, dedicated people looking to buy cars. You have dedicated people selling cars, but a dedication to buying cars, attacking the sources. You know, we talk about the service drive. Uh, we're thinking of putting on QR codes on the RO so that people, when, they, you know, when they're, typically when we, we try to buy a car at the, auction, uh, at the uh, uh, service drive, people are trying to sell a car. Salespeople go to sell a car. You want to make sure that it's an environment where they came in to fix their car, and we'll give them an opportunity in their own place to buy, you know, to sell us their car. But it's about attacking the sources. And it's nothing new, you know, when you look at service drive, uh, uh, sight unseen, which is the new normal, there's nothing new. The only thing new would be actually doing it and getting involved and, uh, you know, making sure your people are, are focused on, yeah. on acquisition. Well, I imagine you talk about acquiring cars in the service drive. Imagine that has to, re that requires a lot of communication between the new car staff the used car staff and the service department just kind of be on the same page to know if vehicle X comes in, you gotta send them over to us so we can buy it. Yeah, I, I would, you know, I would leave the, the sales department out of it at first. Okay. I would, because their goal is to sell a car. So having a dedicated person only interested in buying the car so that we can get transition from that. If we can buy the car, then we can work on selling the car. But a lot of our focus in the industry has always been trying to sell a car, even when we're trying to buy a car. So we need to change that mindset. Well, Mark Wyda, from the, uh, from the independent dealer's perspective, um, what age range inventory do you typically seek out and has the competition increased now as dealers are, are, having, are forced to buy older cars? I mean, it has, have you found the competition for your kind of bread and butter cars has increased? 
Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I don't need to tell everybody that this has been a fun two years in the car business. And uh, I, for us as an independent, we tend to stay away from the 22s and 21 used. Um, everything that I have on in inventory pretty much is 20 and older. Um, what's interesting about, uh, about being an independent is learning the DNA of your own lot. What works at my lot might not, might not necessarily work at someone else's. I mean, obviously a Ford store is going to sell Ford CPO. People are going to gravitate towards that. People are going to switch. I mean, the salespeople will switch them from new to used when they don't have new. Um, but at my lot, I had to train my buyers that it doesn't matter what you like. I mean, there's an art and there's a science. You look at the science to see what day supply is, what the market demand is for the vehicle, and you know, kind of like Danny just touched on. I mean, you can, you can, you can have the wrong car, and it doesn't matter how good the price is. But if you can, if you can source and locate the right car, somebody's going to come in and they're going to buy it if it's got the right pedigree and it's been reconned correctly. We'll uh, we'll shift to the other other side of the the room here. Um, from a dealer's trainer perspective, Mark Gilbert, and from an OEM's perspective, Andrew, what sort of advice and guidance have you shared with your, your dealer partners uh, this year, you know, amid all this tight supply and, and high prices? And, and Mark, we'll start with you and, and Andrew follow up. Um, I think a key word that comes out to me is discipline, you know, and we've always been disciplined in the used car business and except the last few years, of course. Uh, where you didn't have to be disciplined at all, which can be um, an exciting time, and it can also set us up for an interesting time, right? And so I think getting back to those disciplines is number one, um, making sure that who we said we were and who we claim to be and what we buy and, and what we sell and represent is, is who we are and, and, and staying true to that uh, discipline, making sure that if you're a, a turn uh, a dealer that you're, you're turning, if you're a, a percentage age dealer, you're, you're back to that discipline. Uh, the other thing is just sourcing, which I know these guys have talked about already, and it just, it's over and over again, expanding your sourcing. Um, I guess to comment on that, one cool thing that I've seen relative to sourcing is, of course, a lot of us are digging into our own markets, right? And we're, we're going to the, to the social media sites, and we're, and we're going after uh, a private party transactions. Um, but a lot of great dealers are going well outside their market. You know, we've always gone well outside our market for auctions, but to go well outside your market hundreds of miles away to go into Facebook Marketplace and go one-on-one -on -one and, and, and acquire vehicles, we're seeing dealers do this, much to the point that was made previously, which is getting desig designated, dedicated people to going out and buying product in, in far-reaching markets. And that, that seems to be the two things I would point out. Well, that's probably music to the ears of our transport companies who, who now have <laughs> another kind of avenue for dealers who, you know, are, are buying from consumers, you know, all across the U.S. Yes, the and, last 30 seconds were brought to you by Central Dispatch. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, what, what's some of the advice you've shared with your, your dealer partners? Well, I think you hit it on the head, Mark, is there have been a lot of bad habits that have been kind of created in the last two years, right? It's been so good. You could make a lot of mistakes and not worry about it because you'd make a lot of money. I think one of the things I try to, you know, when I talk to the dealers is we got to get back to the basics, got to go do the things that you always have done, but you also have to look at new sources. I mean, I'm responsible for remarketing. Our remarketing inventory to our dealers is down 75% from where it used to be, right? Because we're not getting the repos. We're, you know, our company car program is low, and then obviously red carpet lease returns are, are coming, you know, customers are buying those or dealers are buying them. So it's really around getting back to the basics of the business and then also looking at these creative ways of sourcing. You know, I've talked to a lot of dealers about, you know, they pay their salespeople now almost as much to buy a vehicle as they do to sell a vehicle. And the reason being is because, you know what, I could buy it at an auction and pay the auction fees, 
but instead I'm going to pay my salesperson and make sure they can eat the next day, right, in case I don't have the inventory. So it's getting down to the basics. We'll, uh, we'll go back to uh, the independent dealer side for this one, and this one is for the Marks, Mark and Mark here. Um, outside of just inventory challenges, um, Mark Wida, what are, what are some of the biggest challenges for, and, and opportunities for independent dealers this year? Oh, I think uh, one of the biggest challenges that we face is you know, the, th the third-party providers are constantly telling us that we um, have all of our cars overpriced. I mean, it's the race to the bottom. And one of the nice things about having a certified program is you're, is you're selling value more than you are selling price. Because we've always prided ourselves on reconning better than most, uh, most uh, independent stores and even some of the franchise stores that we compete with. But you can't do that and then still be the cheapest one out there. It's always fun to put a car out there and it's just really a great price. And then car guru says, no, you're way too high. So um, finding that, that balance in marketing to, and having the right cars, as we were, had talked about already, finding the right car. You can't pay too much for the right car, and you can't pay too little for the wrong car. But if it's the right car and nobody else has it, you can stand on it if it's the right pedigree, and you can ask a fair price and be proud about that because you know that it's going to stand on its own. Um, my auto trader rep said that's a, that's a GFY car when someone asked for a discount. He said, uh, go Find one yourself. Um, so, because you can just you can just say there aren't any else out there. But but if you're looking at something and in the, in the, in there's 40 others in the marketplace, it's all going to come down to price. And unless you can represent the value by having it certified, you're going to be lost in the woods. And and Mark, from your experience working with independent dealers this year, what are they telling you? Are, are their challenges? Well, I agree, and I think Mark made a comment earlier also that you know the right car is more the pursuit than racing to the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'll say this at the end, we don't know what the new norm is, none of us do. And the new norm may be drastically different than we think. But the two other things that pop into my mind in addition to acquisition are um, financing. If somebody were gonna ask me about you know, independent challenges, um, financing is gonna be an issue. So there, you're gonna see maneuvers that are gonna be made to create um, OEM type um, affiliations with independence, um, and also another way, it used to be independence were kind of you know, left out uh, of certain financing uh, capacities. Uh, well, now it's not so true. Um, another way for independence to get into that market is to increase in size. And if they get substantial enough in size, um, they're gonna have a lot of access to financing. So that's, that's the, the first one. The second one for me also is, I don't, I don't mean to be the, you know, the uh, little black rain cloud, but um, compliance is gonna be an issue in 2023. And there's some stuff coming down the pike here that um, we, we need to be very concerned about. And uh, whether or not we accept the, uh, uh, you know, the terminology that we're dealing with uh, junk fees or that finance departments are really gonna be uh, held to that standard, I, I can't tell you this, but I can tell you with my association with the FTC that, um, it's a positive one, by the way. Um, <laughs> that there's going to be some issues for dealers to look at. And so I would say the other challenge would be making sure you're clean and you're compliant and you have good processes, particularly in your finance departments. Well, that's a good teaser for a session we've got later this week on not just compliance in terms of kind of the, the financing, but there's a, there's a safeguard rule around data privacy. And that's going to affect not only dealers, but pretty much everybody who works with dealers or auctions. But um, we'll, uh, we'll go back to our, our dealer side of the panel here. Um, and uh, Danny, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, so a buddy of mine has been looking to buy, he's needed to buy a new car since like June, but he, he just can't 
pull the trigger because he's like, when are prices going to come down? I'm like, well, you know, it, it could be a couple months, but yeah, just hang in there. And so have you, have you guys found as dealers that consumers are hesitant at all to buy used car because of the high prices? And how do you address that, like that tentativeness, if you will? Well, um, there, there's definitely a, uh, a dampening of the appetite consumers uh, right now. We've, we've taken all, in the last few years, we've taken all, all the uh, emotional buyers and the reactionary buyers. We're left now with uh, more of a uh, necessity need buyer. But having said that, um, you know, it's, for me, I, the analogy would be, uh, you want to you know, you're going to have a barbecue, you want to have a fresh steak, or you want to eat a frozen steak. And what I mean by that is that uh, with all the lost sales that have happened in the, the last couple of years, people are holding on their cars mm -hmm. a lot longer. So the quality of the car is going to uh, it, it's going to deteriorate a little yeah. bit in the coming years. So to your friend, I would say, you know, do you want to get what's the best right now? Uh, or do you want to hold on to your car? Uh, and, on, you know, you're not, you're not sure what, you, what type of car you're going to be able to buy. It might be certified, but, um, you know, when you have the, uh, when you have the uh, rental car companies uh, competing with, with, with all of us to buy cars, uh, their, their, their ability to pay more for a car is higher because of their, their model. So I would tell your friend that probably now is the best time to buy the car if you want to get a quality car. Yeah, might as well just go ahead and bite the bullet on that one. <laughs> Dennis? Yeah, I mean, I, I see the same thing. When you see the rental car companies running these year-old, two-year-old cars up to 60, 70, 80,000 miles, you know what car is going to be left out there in a couple of years. And if you're not trading in, that car is gaining more miles on it too, so. And, um, where do you, what, what advice do you have for a consumer that, that may be a little bit leery of, of buying a car at a high price? Well, I mean, same situation. If, yeah. You might as well pick what's there right now. Yeah. Mark, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I tell customers all the time, it's, it's not going to get any better. Um, yeah. You know, we had a session just a little <laughs> while ago where we were, we, you know, we're talking about the forecast for 23 and 24. And yeah, the market's going to actually drop down, but it's going to be two years before prices were back to what they were in 21. Um, most of our customers have trade-ins, so I tell them it's an advantage. I mean, yeah, you're, you're paying more for the car that you're buying now, but you're also getting more for yours. I've had customers come in, and two years later, they're getting what they paid for their car two years ago. So if you can convince them to go ahead and let me show you some numbers and see if this makes sense to you, in most cases, they can see that it's affordable and it makes sense for them and their family. Well, um, we'll switch to uh, shift a little bit here and, and talk some about CPO. So Andrew, uh, we'll start with you. Kind of, you had the, the used car operations for Ford. Um, when it comes to CPO, what are some ways that you find that automakers and dealers can work together? And, and one of your dealers is here, obviously. Dennis, we'll have you follow up. But what, what are some ways you guys kind of work hand in hand on CPO? Sure. So three years ago, I was asked to kind of take on a new role, used vehicle director at Ford. Never had that position before. And there are two ways an OEM can create a program. One, we sit in our ivory tower, we do some analysis, and then we come out with a program and we launch it. What we've tried to do at Ford is we actually work with our dealers. We had a group of 10 dealers. They came up, we actually spent three days in a hotel kind of whiteboarding what Ford Blue Advantage would be. Yeah. And so we partnered together with them, we developed the program, and we launched it. And just to give you some, you know, it obviously has worked. We're up from where we were in 2020, uh, 2020 we're up 44% 
our uh, website traffic has got up tenfold based on the feedback we got from our dealers and what's important on a good website. Our dealers are now making $300 <coughs> more on a certified vehicle versus non-certified. Mm -hmm. So by listening to the dealers and getting their feedback, we were able to actually create a program that works for our dealer body. And that's, you know, I think that's the key in any initiative that the OEM has, is making sure you have that one-to-one -one feedback. Yeah. Dennis, what are some ways that at Andy Moore Ford, you guys work with the automaker to help figure out how to promote CPO, find the right cars? What are some ways you work with, with Andrew and his team? So, so what we do is, if it qualifies for the certified program, we certify every single car that's available. We train the guys. They're all up to speed on what the certification entails. Uh, and every person that comes through gets what the blue CPO means when it comes through there. Uh, and it builds value. I mean, build, you're talking about a car that, you know, we've got a competitive market, but you're talking about a car that, like I said, you could go back to 2013, 2014, you've got a, a warranty that you put on it, um, and it builds confidence in the customer on the car that they're purchasing. And Danny, I mean, at, at number one, <coughs> you guys work with several different several, yes. within the, within the uh, dealer group. So how do you kind of manage those relationships with the automakers on CPO? Well, first of all, you know, you can't experiment with the program. Mm -hmm. You have to be committed to the program. Uh, it's sort of like the, the breakfast table, right? Uh, the chicken participated, but the pig was committed, part, you know, <laughs> all in. And that's, that's, that's how we have to be with, uh, with a certified. Um, and we work closely with all our, uh, our, our OEM uh, CPO program and managers and training. It's constant training. One thing that uh, I will say that uh, we need to think about is that the future of CPO as we go into the EV vehicle, what is that program going to look like? Are we going to certify the available battery life? Those are things that we need to start thinking about. You know, is 80% battery, uh, will that qualify as a CPO vehicle or is 50% battery? Because uh, that's going to be a, a selling point in the future as EVs start to really, uh, I, I believe, uh, take uh, a full throttle into our sales. Well, thank you for teeing up my my next question. I didn't intend Great to. Great segue there. Um, <laughs> so we, we do want to talk about just the, the growth area, growth potential in the used car market, that being EVs. I mean, it's kind of small right now, but um, Danny, Mark, and then Dennis, from the dealer's perspective, what has been the consumer appetite for EVs and you know, what does the supply picture look like? And, and, um, and Danny, we'll stick with you and, and have Mark and Dennis follow up. Well, supply... Very limited supply. Yeah. So for me, the, the if I use that as a, a measuring tool to forecast the future of used sales with EV, we can't keep them. When they when they're on our lot, they, we sell them quite quickly. So there's no there's no uh, buildup of EV inventory. Uh, so I, I look at that as a as a signal that you know uh, there's a future in used vehicle sales with EV. But it goes back to again what I talked about on the CPO side. You know the. the what are we? What are we? What are we trying? What value are we trying to sell in a used uh, EV car? It, it's going to be the battery, that's for sure. And uh, uh, future yet to that. But I, I see a bright future with EV. I like the way it's going. I, like I said, as soon as we get them on any of our lots, they sell. Yeah. This? Yeah. The same situation. We we've had a <coughs> limited amount, but like like him, you know, we haven't had them sit on a lot very long. Now they've been very specific on what they're looking for. So. Long range seems to be the, yep. the most popular for us. And Mark? Uh, we've done a lot of hybrids, but we've just recently in the last year ventured more into the, the straight EVs. Um, Tesla put a store right down the street about a year and a half ago, 
and we get a lot of cross sales from that. Um, the uh, the auction that I attend, the main one that I attend in Colorado Springs, um, has a Tesla lane. So I just ventured out and started learning as as we went along which ones work, which ones don't. Um, the popularity is growing for it. It's I think if you more of a conventional type dealer and you just go like I'm just not going to play with this new this new venture here. I, I think you're just fooling yourself. I mean we we have to become educated and the biggest thing too is is making sure that the salesmen know. Um, you know one thing about being uh, independent being franchised when I was running franchise stores. You know, I had people that trained my product specialists, and they knew everything inside and out. If I was at a Toyota store, they knew everything inside and out. Well, in an independent, you got to have a little bit of everything. So I have to encourage my guys and gals to make sure that they are becoming just students of everything, especially the new technology. Mark Gilbert, um, from your perspective at Automotive Training Network, have you begun to implement you know, best practices for EVs for dealers, whether that's selling them, finding them, repairing them, that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes right to what Mark was just saying. Um, you know, with clients in SoCal and then clients in, you know, um, Kansas and everybody in between, um, education's the key to, to the EV game. And so every market's going to be a little bit different as to how you would engage or you would, you would suggest that a dealer respond. <clears throat> but the one thing that came to my mind was, um, you know, just like in the days of uh, when the CARES Act was written two years ago and PPP loans, everybody was trying to figure those out and had to read all 888 pages of that bill. Um, it's the same thing right now with, with EVs, and there's opportunities for dealers right now, I think, uh, to help consumers. Um, there's a lot of PUDs, there's a lot of uh, public utilities that will be offering programs for consumers to install charging stations in their home. In fact, there are monetized opportunities for dealers out there right now for dealers to get involved with installation people, technicians, electricians, uh, to assist the consumer in getting prepared, whether it doesn't matter where the market is. And so I think education, as was mentioned previously, is where it's at. And I think if dealers take that educational role with the consumer, while they may not be an electric buyer today, they recognize there's financial motivation and possible, um, you know, monetization for the dealer to get involved in and in, in get involved now. Well, uh, Andrew, you know, we, we, there's a lot of buzz this year on the new car side about EVs. I mean, the Super Bowl, you know, I think all the commercials were the OEMs with uh, their new electric vehicles. But how does an EV kind of impact the used car strategy, you know, the OVM? I mean, does it change the certification process, that kind of thing? Yeah, so first of all, it's really low volume this year. Yeah. I mean, we, we do about 30 CPO Mach-E's a, you know, a month, so it's really tiny volume. But the reality is the CPO product doesn't actually work for a EV, because if you think about the base of what a CPO product is, it's a powertrain warranty. I don't know if anyone notices it doesn't have a powertrain. <laughs> so we're actually mm -hmm. gonna be launching you know, our own version of an EV uh, certification program next year we're not gonna to get to battery level yet because I think there's a little more learning to do there, uh, but we're gonna make sure that we're providing that customer who's buying an EV with the right coverage. And right now there isn't an OEM out there that actually, that I've seen, that has a EV certified program. They just cover the powertrain and that means the customer's paying for something they shouldn't be. So that's something we're working on, that'll be a short term. And then longer term as we think about standards around what level of charge should it have, we'll certainly bring that out. But the reality is this is, probably three years from now is when it'll be any serious volume. Yeah. Because you know we're just starting to lease them. Um, we talked about leasing earlier, um, but uh, th there aren't gonna be a lot out there for the next two or three years. Yeah. 
Excuse me. Yeah, and, and I wonder, too, if the, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, the piece of that that kind of opens up some of the incentives for um, used electric vehicles, I wonder if that will have any impact. Anybody thoughts on that, whether the, the, whether the, uh, the opening up of used car incentives for EVs, do you guys seeing that any, having any material impact on used EV sales? Man, don't ask the guy who's in Washington three times a year, right? Because I, my opinions are, are very jaded there. I, um, not yet. <laughs> what they put together is, uh, is a start, yeah. crafted by people who didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> well, Joe, can, uh, Joe, can I add? Other than that, it's great, Joe. <laughs> Joe, can I add one thing? Mark? I just wanted to add one thing. I was talking with a home builder the other day in Colorado Springs, and they build 500000 and up. Of course, in Colorado Springs, there's almost nothing under 500000 anymore. And he said, um, on 85% of the homes that they're building now, they're putting in the 220 outlets in the garage. So if that's any indication on what, of course, Colorado is becoming uh, very, very liberal. Um, and so everyone is, is, is kind of going that way. And even the people that know that they can't afford a $50,000 entry-level Tesla are waiting until they can find a $30,000 used Tesla. Well, uh, well, guys, we've got just a couple minutes left, and I want to have each of you um, kind of give our, our audience here a, a takeaway, a parting shot, um, and we'll work our way down. And, and, and Mark, we'll start with you, and, and Andrew, you'll have the, the last word. So, uh, Mark, take it away. Uh, just, it's, it's been a fun ride. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and, uh, and I think I was talking with someone the other day, and they said, well, what are you going to do differently for the next year? And I said, I'm going to become better at what I do. Because I've always been, I mean, even when I was at franchise stores, used cars was what I played with the most. It's the most fun. Um, because, it's, like I said, you have that standalone car that's not like anybody else's, what they have. But we have to be better at, at identifying the right car for our market, for our lot, and making sure that it's reconned correctly. Um, we have some advantages. We've been in business a long time. Mark touched on that. We have every major lender. When I first started out as a franchise dealer, I had Westlake. Yay. So, I mean, I'd get somebody to come in with an 800 credit score, and I couldn't offer them financing. But as we've grown, now we can offer everything that the franchise stores can, too. But most people still are afraid of franchise, I mean, of independent dealers, because there's so many shady ones out there. Now, there's more good ones than there are bad ones, but the bad ones get all the press. And so we have to compete, because I, some of my customers will go to a franchise store and knowingly pay more for the same car than I have because they have a fear. Um, with that, reputation management is important. You know, we have 4.8 out of 5 stars, over 1,500 reviews. We worked really, really hard to get to that point. And then building relationships and maintaining relationships and doing business the right way, that puts us in a position to compete. Um, but it is challenging, but it's fun. So in my opinion, the key to being successful is, is like we've discussed before, staying disciplined, make sure that you're purchasing the right car, not paying too much for the wrong car, not overpaying for a car that's going to need a ton of reconditioning, uh, and be smart about your uh, exit strategies when you're purchasing these units. Uh, I would say that uh, we need to change our mindset and our thinking a little bit with, with CPO. Uh, all too often we use it as a PVR play or a gross play, and that's not what uh, CPO really is. CPO is a, it's a marketing play. It's a long-term play. It's a strategy. Uh, you need to think of, we need to think of CPO as, a, as the best way to, to, to have customers, you know, enjoy and, 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 and want to be 
coming to our stores for more than just buying the car. And CPO is the channel to do that. It's the, it's the pathway to the long-term business. When you think of the trades you get on a CPO unit, it's the best trade you possibly can get other than a CPO type uh, unit. It's the next best level of, of, of uh, inventory you can acquire. And the CPO attracts that type of uh, 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 trade. So I would look at it as a long-term play, roll it out. We know that it touches service departments. We know all, everything that it touches, but it's the customer relationship that we need to focus on. And so it's not a, C, it's not a PVR play. Some, you know, you have, if you strategize your inventory, some are gonna be grand slams. If you get it right, some are going to be home runs, <clears throat> some will be triples, doubles, singles, and sometimes you're going to have to bunt the ball or, or hit a sacrifice fly. Uh, that's the strategy you need to incorporate with, uh, with pricing your vehicles, especially with CPO. Right? Otherwise, like my friend Bob Grill used to say, otherwise you just made a car more expensive. So. Yeah, you know, I think the takeaway for me is that we're in an unprecedented time. Rates are going up. When rates go up, what that means is the used car business becomes more profitable, generally speaking. Now, with that said, it's not quite that simple. We have unprecedented pent-up demand, as was mentioned. We have unprecedented free money that's been handed out, unprecedented by trillions. Um, and we have, and, and have pent-up demand with SARS. The SARS number has been really overall weak relative to where it was you know, five, four or five years ago. So I guess the walk away for me is um, watch out for the new norm because the new norm may not be what you really think it is. And I mean that in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with, I want to just thank Dennis and the Andy Moore Ford team. They are our number one CPO dealer, Ford Blue Advantage dealer, for the past three years. Out of Plainfield, Indiana, they sell over 2,500 Ford Blue Advantage vehicles every month. So thank you, Dennis, for your support. Um, my, my takeaway is the importance of CPO, and I don't care if you're a Ford dealer, a Toyota dealer, a Nissan dealer, it doesn't matter to me. What I would tell you is that certified CPO is a play for the long term. And what I enjoy is going into a store and showing them why. And it's not only, it is PVR, because it does help them gross more money. But what we've been able to prove is those customers come back to the service department twice as more often as a customer who bought a used vehicle from the same dealer. So for those dealers in the room, if you're not doing certified, I would strongly urge you to look at it, because it isn't about today. It's about building that relation with the customer for tomorrow, and it absolutely works when you work the program. And to add to your point, uh, Dennis and his team at Andy Moore Ford are CPO dealer of the year, and they're going to be recognized uh, tomorrow at a luncheon. So um, let's give Dennis, let's give our entire round of panelists here a uh, big round of applause. And, uh... Thank, you. Thank you again for joining us for this special episode of the Auto Remarketing Podcast, originating from Used Car Week 2022 in San Diego. And if you've missed any of our past episodes, just go to our website at audiblemarketing.com and click on the podcast box to find our library of past episodes. Or be sure to subscribe via whatever platform you get your podcasts. For fellow hosts, Bill Zedites and Joe Overby, as well as our fantastic executive producer, Matt Rice, I'm Nick Zulovich. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to having you again next time on the Auto Remarketing Podcast.